Bond markets are breaking and traders are really scared. Could the big pause finally be coming? The Republicans are set to take over the House. What does it really mean? The SEC has another huge setback in their case against Ripple. Abra's new trading system is almost here. Abra USD is coming. What does it mean for you? This one is super cool. All right, lots to talk about today, folks. It's time for Money Talks. All right. Good morning. Wakey, wakey. It's time for Money Talks. Lots to talk about today. The world is still going crazy. I'm going to start off talking about uh, Ukraine. I know I no normally don't spend a lot of time on geopolitics here on 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 Money Talks, but but Ukraine is is more than geopolitics to us here at Abra. We have a tremendous amount of staff in the Ukraine. Um, you know, we we love them dearly. Uh, they contribute to the product that all of you use and love every day. Now, I'm a pacifist at heart. I don't believe uh, that war solves very much, uh, except arbitrary lines on a map, except in this case, you know, we have to be very clear. On the one hand, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely clear for myself that, that uh, Vladimir Putin is the aggressor and, and um, you know, if it's, it's completely on him that so many thousands and tens of thousands and probably ultimately hundreds of thousands of people have been died and millions displaced because of, of of this war and his acts of aggression. But the real question is, is the is the U.S. unnecessarily prolonging this war uh, or should we have basically done more up front to make sure that this never had happened in the first place? I don't know. I'm not a geopolitical expert. I'm, I'm not a foreign affairs expert. I, yeah, I've been to probably 65, 70 countries in my life. Uh, I've seen uh, I've seen a lot of shit. Uh, I, I've you know, I, I spent time in Haiti after the earthquake, which had a tremendous effect on how I look at the world and uh, the U.S.'s place in the world. But on the other hand, I don't know that sending endless amounts of, of weapons to the Ukraine um, was in our best interests. And, and honestly, uh, it's difficult for me to, to think through think this through when we have so many friends, employees, family in, in the Ukraine who are who are suffering as a result of of this aggression. I've been following David Sachs for a few weeks now. Uh, David is somebody I've known of for a long time. I used his product Yammer uh, years ago, and uh, I think he's a, a fantastic, uh, a fantastic CEO, fantastic investor, great thought thinker. He's a hardcore libertarian, uh, just like me at heart, and he has major issues with the U.S.'s role in the Ukraine right now, as do I. But more importantly, he has major issues with our inability to come to some type of, of peace deal with Russia, which, which really doesn't make sense. I mean, you can wind back the clock, look at what got us into this in the first place, and it looks like we're moving in the other direction. So it's hard to say. Uh, a couple of comments he wrote this, uh, yesterday uh, that I've been looking at, or actually early this morning, uh, you know, uh, commenting on uh, foreign policy being uh, really about dedicating finite resources to accomplishing defined geopolitical goals. But since the end of the Cold War, America doesn't seem to ask or, 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 or answer basic questions about what our war aims are. We get ourselves into these wars with no way out. It's, it's short-term thinking, not long-term thinking. 
right? It's long-term thinking is why we lost, or the lack of long-term thinking is why we lost in Vietnam, why Afghanistan has basically reverted to the mess that it's in now, because these wars are effectively games of attrition. And if Ukraine is the same, meaning there is only so much weapons we're going to basically ship over there, and at the end, the outcome will have been the same anyway, because it is a war of attrition. And if that's true, uh, and, and Russia is really playing a long game and we're not, uh, it's not going to end well for for anyone. And he also commented that uh, the United States shouldn't be in a nuclear crisis um, that most Americans don't really understand, right? And and that's really the whole point here. And, and, and again, uh, I'm torn here because my heart goes out uh, to all the people that I care about who, uh, who I know who are in the Ukraine and who are suffering. Um, but we have to ask ourselves if we're doing right by them with this approach. Look, the bottom line is I don't know, uh, but what we're, whatever we're doing doesn't seem to be to be working because the war continues. Yeah, we can make the case that Russia is losing, but the war still continues. So this leads to uh, part two of our macro commentary this morning, which is bond markets are breaking, right? As I said in my opening, traders are scared, right? People are like, hey, what is going to give here, right? Yields are going through the roof. Now, here's a concern I have, right? So think about um, years ago, long-term capital management, right? That basically almost broke traditional markets. Think about crypto winter, what happened when three arrows went bust and the contagion spread to everybody who had levered exposure to them. Who has levered exposure to the bond market, right? So let's, let's make sure we understand how bonds work. As interest rates go up, the value of bonds go down, meaning the price of the bond goes down. If you are levered long bonds, that means you're making a bet that interest rates will either stay the same or go down. Even in small amounts, if you're highly levered, can lead to large profits. But if markets go the other way and you're highly levered bonds, you have a problem, right? You're, and some people are adding to these positions thinking that markets are going to turn around. Right. So so my concern is we don't know who in the traditional markets is levered long U.S. treasuries as rates are continuing to go up. And this scares me. OK, now that having been said, it does lead to the point that something eventually has got to give. Fantastic tweet from uh, this. Uh, uh, Concoda is is the name of the the the, the Twitter uh accounts. He wrote that bond markets are growing increasingly unstable, and many have warned of a sovereign debt crisis unfolding. Monetary leaders possess numerous tools to prevent a disaster, but the great sovereign debt intervention is probably upon us. And I agree. I agree. At some point, something is going to break. The markets are breaking now, and something's got to give. Tasked with preventing sky-high inflation caused by supply issues. Now, this is an important point. It was not money printing that caused the inflation that we had coming out of COVID. It was supply chain issues, which were beyond the control of the Federal Reserve. This is something that people don't understand. The Federal Reserve has been forced into raising rates sharply to lower prices towards their 2% target. That's true. They feel that they've been forced into doing that. People talk about money printing. Even I use the phrase money printing. Quantitative easing, as it's been defined by the Federal Reserve, is not really traditional money printing. What they do is they basically buy bonds on the open market 
and they effectively put um, an artificially high balance as a result of buying those bonds in the uh, account of their member banks or others that they're buying these bonds from. They didn't actually print money. They effectively created an IOU, which means the money doesn't land in Bill's bank account. It doesn't land in your bank account. So yes, it is a form of monetary debasement and inflation when you really break it down in terms of the, the balance sheets, but it's not really, um, you know, just printing money the way we would, you know, uh, metaphorically explain it. Okay. This was really about supply chains. So this will undoubtedly cause substantial pain worldwide, right? These rate differentials are going to spur a strong US dollar, which we're already seeing. The dollar is going through the roof, which affects at least, if not more than 50% of transactions, uh, which are invoiced in dollars globally. The Fed's gambit is to fight inflation without blowing up other nations through a rising US dollar. And they are losing on that gambit. Right. The, the, the world is basically now getting to a point where we're begging the Fed to stop what they're doing and they, they don't care. The Fed is not concerned. And by the way, this was the great bargain of, of Bretton Woods, which was that the U.S. dollar, the U.S. greenback would become the global reserve currency and the U.S. would promise to create a stable currency as a result. They've lost that narrative. They lost that years ago. So now the question is, OK. You basically gave up that narrative years ago, but it's a double whammy now because now you're basically trying to get back to that narrative, but you've created a situation which for international economies is now untenable. Anyway, so um, you know, many commentators see these rate hikes as the worst possible solution to what has been a crisis of supply, as I said, but political goals have ensured that you know, dollar fatalism will be enforced to battle these rising prices. Anyway, so this base wrecking ball of, of higher rates will keep crushing global prosperity. You can go see Concoda's um, tweet storm. C-O-N-C-O-D-A uh, is his uh, tweet, uh, sorry, his Twitter handle, and you can do search on, on, on Twitter and you'll find it. Anyway, super interesting. I hope, I hope that things uh, change. And I, I, look, I think that we shouldn't have been in this mess in the first place. And we shouldn't have basically had loose monetary policy. And we're now basically correcting one mistake with another mistake. And I don't know where this is going to end. Uh, but at some point, the Fed is going to have no choice, as I said, but to pause. If they don't, the cost of servicing our debt will become untenable. We will have a global depression. And, and so as a result, like I said, we know at some point where this is going to head or end, excuse me. We just don't know when, how long it's going to take, what the steps are in between. I would posit that it's most likely going to be uh, a big pause. Now, speaking of big pauses, did you know that there's someone who is referred to in the markets as the Fed Whisperer? It's an interesting title. Uh, he's actually a journalist at the Wall Street Journal. And his name is Nick Timiras. I will show you uh, a tweet storm that he released a few hours ago. And um, Nick has an interesting ability to move the entire markets, uh, which uh, I've never, I've never actually seen a, a journalist do that before. Uh, but Nick can do it. And he wrote this morning uh, that the Fed is barreling towards a fourth straight 
75 basis point rate rise at the November FOMC meeting. That meeting can serve as a critical staging ground for future plans, including whether and how to step down to 50 basis points in December. Step down to 50 basis points in December basically means that the Fed would slow down the pace of rate hikes. That article, that tweet moved markets this morning. It caused a spike in the S&P. It caused a spike in Bitcoin. uh, And it caused a spike down uh, in short-term rates. So I'll look in a moment at where we are in terms of crypto. uh, But Nick definitely moved the markets this morning. Some officials are more eager to calibrate their rate setting to reduce the risk of over-tightening, but they won't want to dramatically loosen financial conditions if and when they hike by 50 basis points. This meeting could allow officials to get aligned on next steps. So lots of confusing quotes that, that Nick tries to kind of assemble together to make it clear that we're no longer in this kind of single thread of rates have to go higher. Now it's kind of a confusing jumbo of, hey, not really sure what we want to do next. And that actually sends a signal to economists and traders that, hey, now there's a a, a pretty significant chance that we're going to get a slowdown here. And that's what you get when you're at the bottom of, of or at the end of these hikes is you get some confusion. And the confusion in and of itself sends a message, right? The equity market has been so eager to see pivots by the Fed. Uh, these the, Those pivots include a slowdown in the hiking pace, a pause, and eventually cuts. The equity markets keep jumping ahead to the last pivot, and we're a long way from the Fed cutting rates. So all kind of conflicting statements at the same time. The half-point hike at this meeting would result in a dramatic loosening of financial conditions, no matter what language they paired it with. Uh, But by December, you can keep financial conditions very restrictive, even with 50 basis points. So, So again, Lots of conflicting statements, but we didn't have a lot of conflicting statements in June and July and August. Everybody was like, hey, these rates are going higher and and, and deal with it, right? Um, and so uh, really interesting comments. Let me stop this. I can figure out how to do that. There we go. Um, again, so you can follow Nick on on Twitter uh, and and get more, uh, more, more details there. Um, I follow some really interesting, I've been learning a lot from a few people. Um, Peter Zihan is another one. Uh, 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 Luke Groman is another. Uh, of course, uh, Lynn Alder, who most of you in the crypto world know now, uh, she's another one. So at the same time, we've been talking about uh, the macro and where this is going and the big pause. Midterm elections are coming. So today is, I'm looking at the clock, today's October 21st. And we are about two weeks away from elections in the United States. It looks like it'll be a route or a near route in the House for Democrats as the Republicans are set to take over the House, which is very interesting. Um, So I had a chart that I wanted to show you. I don't think I I misplaced it. But basically, it showed uh, that uh, by most measures, most polls, most analysts, that uh, yes. Oh, here it is. I've got it. Let me. It was Jim Bianco posted it this morning from from the person at uh, the New York Times. His name escapes me. Uh, It'll come to me in a minute. But um, here you can see 538 is, is the website I was referring to. Um, it's it's managed by a New York Times writer. Let me see if I have his name here. 
I think I do. It, uh, Nate Silver. Nate Silver has become quite infamous for some of his political predictions. And you can see that he's not as clear as um, predict.org or predicted.org, but they're both converging on this uh, idea that the Republicans are clearly in the lead in in taking over the, the the house in the midterm elections so what does it mean like what does it really mean for uh the republicans to take over the house well generally when you have a divided congress uh very well okay so there's kind of three perspectives on on getting stuff done right and generally markets consider congress getting stuff done to be a bad thing okay um, and they usually because that means that they're doing harm, either right? whether because it's raising taxes, especially if Democrats are in power, to more regulation, more oversight, more cost of doing business, et cetera, et cetera. However, when you have a divided um, president versus Congress, as we did under President Obama, when the Republicans were in control of the House and the Senate, almost nothing got done. Right. And we had basically political stalemate and we had a pretty good economy. Right. And then um, when when um, uh, when uh, sorry, when President Biden took over, uh, we, they own Congress as well. Uh, you know, obviously, a lot of people feel that uh, they they were uh, not helping and exacerbating the inflation going on with a lot of their policies. And now the belief is, is, of course, that if um, if we have a divided Congress, uh, we'll have this do no harm doctrine again, where nothing will get done, but at least they'll be doing no harm to the American citizen. OK, so again, I, I obviously don't have a crystal ball uh, and I don't know what's going to happen, uh, but um, I do believe that the Republicans will win the House. I believe this is good for crypto. Uh, anything that delays a lot of the nonsensical legislation that I'm seeing is ultimately good. I think crypto has survived for 13 years, mostly without nonsensical regulation. Uh, you can look at New York and, and, and make a case either way, I suppose. Uh, and I hope uh, that this trend continues um, and people will realize that the existing legislation is already or the existing rules and regulations are already to a certain degree overbearing on the industry. Interesting thread that I'll get to um, by Eric Voorhees, uh, who was commenting on uh, Sam Bankman-Fried's proposal for regulating uh, commodities futures markets in the US for crypto. Um, and, and I think Eric gets it right as usual. And then we'll also talk about, as speaking of overreach, the SEC's case uh, against Ripple in a few moments, okay? So I, I like I said, I think that the Republicans taking the House is probably a good thing. It's a wake-up call for the president. Stop this, that um, that the overreach is done. Okay? So, again, we shall see. All right. So, let's talk about crypto prices for a minute. Then I want to talk about uh, SEC, and then we'll get into uh, Eric's comments. All right? So, so, what's happening in crypto markets? As I said... Uh, now the markets are actually higher. When I when I um, I don't sleep very much on on Fridays because I, I spend some time preparing for this, getting my weekly news updates, uh, and and forming my own kind of editorials for uh, for for Money Talks. And uh, so so when I was starting to work on my commentary, uh, Ethereum and Bitcoin were actually fairly down. Now it's all relative, right? The volatility in crypto has really dried up 
over the uh, the last month or so. And it's pretty clear that most uh, other assets are more volatile than Bitcoin and Ethereum right now. So this chart goes back to May. But if you just look at the price of Bitcoin from early September to mid-October, we're at the same price, right, um, from when we did Money Talks a few weeks ago. And um, yeah, uh, now look at the candle here, this this small, I don't know if you can see it. Let me try to zoom in. I'll, I'll go to an hourly and I'll, I'll zoom in here. But if you look at today's candle, right, what you'll see, I'm going to go to a four hour, right? You'll see that we were on basically a downtrend from uh, uh, earlier in the week right here. Look at this big red candle yesterday, which was uh, a 1% on a four hour. Then we spiked down a, a, a few hours ago and then spiked back up. So this was a, let's see, 18, six, 1870 to 191. That's 400 points in one four hour candle, right? The bottom from bottom to the top. And now we're in the middle, uh, but the, oh, sorry, now we're at the top of this candle, which is really good news. The next candle so far, uh, we're, we're, we're only 20 minutes into it. So there's no big movement there, but this, this candle, uh, basically was a short-term bottom, which was caused by the movement in the markets, which to a large degree were caused by the art, uh, the comments of that journalist I mentioned earlier, the fed whisperer. So, Again, the narrative is uh, macro has become crypto, crypto has become macro, and we can see here that the markets uh, basically are in an apathetic mode where there is zero volatility in crypto while everyone is uh, seemingly waiting for something to happen. That having been said, um, we've come off the kind of you know low volatility lows uh, and now are now back in that 19 to 20K range, and it looks like Ethereum is back to get into that 1300 um uh, floor that it had broken a few hours ago so so pretty interesting movements there i i don't have a lot more to add because there's so little volatility in the markets you can see look at some of these four hour candles where the, on the bottom you can see the relative volume and the relative volume has gone to nothing right so there's a very little trading going on in in some markets let me let me move to the Binance um, so you get a bit a better sense of the trading volumes. You can see some spikes like there was in the last candle, uh, which was a huge um, a candle spike. Again, that was driven by the Wall Street Journal commentary. Uh, but before that, you can see there was significantly less trading volume. All right, let's stop that. So I do suspect that the proverbial rubber band is winding up as volatility shrinks. The rubber band winds up, it gets tighter, and eventually it has to go. And, and I think here in crypto, uh, you know, if if we really return to a gold 2.0 narrative and the rubber band gets let, let go because there's this perspective that there's going to be financial loosening uh, by the Fed, I suspect uh, we might have a, a short-term move down on a sell the news and then a big spike up, big spike up, right? I wouldn't be surprised if we see Bitcoin spike to 30K uh, in the next, you know, three to four months. All right. So anyway, uh, we'll get to that commentary on what does this mean for what you might want to do uh, with your money in a few minutes. Uh, but that's um, that's one, I think, very viable outcome of where this could all be headed. All right. So I mentioned SEC versus Ripple. Very interesting. Um 
I know that uh, that Ripple had a I'm I'm here in California, but I know that Ripple had a big party in in Miami yesterday. Very interesting timing. It turns out that it was their 10 year anniversary. Yes, Ripple's been around for uh, for 10 years. And Ripple at the same time, I say uh, ironic because they also won a court case uh, against the SEC, kind of a, uh, an interim step in their in their fight uh, with with the SEC, who has sued Ripple, claiming uh, years of unregistered security offerings, and um, they obtained long sought documents of former internal officials who declared Ethereum is not a security. So they received a, a treasure trove of emails and documents from within the SEC, which have been turned over to them. And uh, you know the, uh, the 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 founders who created the XRP cryptocurrency, who now find themselves as defendants in this case, uh, which is a high, obviously a super high profile legal battle uh, with the agency over its assertion that XRP was illegally sold as an unregistered security. Their internal general counsel, uh, Stuart uh, Alderati, I believe is how you say his name, he broke the news on Twitter on Thursday, declaring a huge victory in an 18-month battle within this larger war, of course, uh, with the SEC over the collection of discovery material dubbed the Hinman documents. These documents revolve around uh, an internal or SEC director, Bill Hinman or William Hinman, and a, must, uh, a highly publicized speech that he gave back in 2018, where he declared that Ethereum, like Bitcoin, was sufficiently decentralized and thus not subject to federal securities regulation. And Hinman's remarks that day represented probably the, the biggest uh, loosening of, of the debates over whether uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum were, were securities. And... The theory is, is that these play a key role in the SEC's lawsuit against Ripple, asserting that Ripple sold XRP as an un, unregistered security with uh, and now has a market cap of over 20 billion, uh, which makes it, I think, the, the fifth or, or sixth largest cryptocurrency. So, of course, Brad uh, Garlinghouse, the, the CEO of Ripple, chimed in uh, during the company celebration. He said the SEC's pursuit of a policy objective isn't about a faithful allegiance to the law. It's about power. There is no regard for those companies and people that this approach has harmed. Uh, we should all be outraged. Uh, and and uh, I'm not surprised. The SEC wants you to think that it cares. This is Brad speaking now. The uh, SEC wants you to think that it cares about disclosure, transparency, and clarity. Don't believe them. When the truth comes out, the shamefulness of their behavior will shock you. Uh, again, you have to you have to pay attention to who the messenger is here. Uh, I've known Brad for years. Uh, he's generally a very reasonable, reasonable guy. I, I my guess is is that when these individual sales happened, uh, you could make the case that they were securities offerings. As I've said all along, my problem with that approach is that the SEC let it go on for seven years before they tried to go after them or before they went after them. That doesn't make sense to me. And uh, it never has and it, it never will, regardless of the outcome of the case. My understanding of this, and I'm not a lawyer, is that we may we may have to wait until next summer for some form of resolution of this case. Uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that the judge has been very, very hard on Ripple in this case. Um, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, let me, let me step back. 
it's the opposite. The judge has been very hard on the SEC in this case and has uh, on occasion literally berated them for their behavior. That in of itself doesn't imply uh, Ripple's innocence, but because they went after those individuals, Brad and Chris Larson, they have rights and they have right to due process. And if the SEC is interfering with that due process, that could end up implying innocence to the court uh, because of um, uh, the value of evidence and, and other commentary. At least that's my understanding. And, and so um, the SEC is not doing itself a good service when uh, it puts itself in those positions to be berated. Oh, OK, so so that's my comment on crypto. One of the comments I want to make, and I think somebody brought this up in the chat. I saw it earlier. I was glancing. Oh, yeah, Catherine. Uh, good morning, Catherine. So so uh, I, I did read Kathy Wood's open letter to the Fed where she she tried to make the case that uh, the in, um, increasing interest rates were uh, harming the economy and that supply chain issues were really to blame for uh, for the, 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 the CPI going up or inflation and that productivity uh, boosts from technology over time would deal with inflation. Look, Kathy's right. You know, if you're going to play a long-term game, ultimately exponential technologies have been the saving grace of the American economy for 30 years, since the early 90s in particular, with the, you know, the onslaught of PCs and then the internet and then smartphones and 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 now other technologies like AI and robotics. And and she'll be right for the next 30 years, I suspect, although she'll probably be retired on a beach by then. And, and I don't think it's going to change the Fed's perspective at all. Uh, they are not focused on productivity gains via technology. They are not focused on long-term thinking. They are focused on the very short-term issue of wanting to see that number come down, even though it wasn't really them that caused the number to go up in the first place, right? So anyway, so I think that it's a foregone conclusion that we're going to get a, at least a, two to three more rate hikes. And I think that the last two of those three hikes will be smaller numbers. It will send a message to the markets that they're slowing down, that financial conditions will loosen. And I do really think that we're going to have a game on event for risk on assets, particularly crypto. And uh, it is a, as a result, let me cut to the chase. Um, I, I I don't time the market, um, but I can tell you that uh, I am uh, long and increasing my long positions in in crypto uh, to the extent that I can because I'm already very long uh, because I, I really believe that we're going to have no choice but to get back to basically a, uh, a stabilizing of the money supply and then eventually an increasing in the money supply as well. But that's me. That's what I do. Um, we provide information. You make your own decisions. And um, either way, life will go on. All right, so I promised a commentary on this um, this uh, kind of response that uh, my friend Eric Voorhees wrote. Eric is one of the the best thinkers in the crypto space on the future of money as it relates to the state, as it relates to what he perceives as state overreach and the checks and balances that we need in the separation of money and state. He wrote a very, very long article. I'm not going to read it to you. You should go to his blog. Just go to Eric Voorhees on Twitter, and there's a link, and I'll, I'll, I'll retweet it uh, when the show is done. So if you follow me, you'll see it anyway. But uh, he wrote yesterday's uh, SPF, Sam Bankman-Fried, posted his digital asset industry standards, and he's trying to effectively create a, a framework 
uh, for the CFTC and others to regulate crypto. The problem is, is that it's very self-serving because he's one of the few that has this kind of regulatory model in place and has the cash to pursue it. And it effectively creates a moat around his business. And I've seen this before. Uh, I spent a lot of time in the money transfer space working, uh, competing against Western Union, and they were constantly calling for more regulation, knowing that it effectively would create a competitive moat around their business. So I don't like this perspective. I think that it's very self-serving, and I think Eric is really uh, right to call him out on it. And I hope that the debate is healthy. I hope it's, it continues to be respectful as it looks like it is. I like both guys very much. Um, I've known Eric for years. I've talked to Sam a few times. I don't know him as well, but he does seem like a reasonable guy. He's smart to be spending a lot of time in DC focused on regulation. And he's, look, he's smart for it to be self-serving and to create a moat around his business, right? At the end of the day, he is a CEO. He's answers to him, to the shareholders of the company, including himself. And, um, you know, just like it was smart for Western Union to Union to try to do that for their business. But it's the job of Congress to see through that and understand that we need a separation of money and state. That's what the Fed was originally supposed to represent. They weren't supposed to represent 40 years of falling interest rates uh, because, you know, it was better for uh, business. They were supposed to err on the side of the great bargain that was made uh, back when we had Bretton Woods, and that bargain has long since been thrown out the window. So we have to operate as if that bargain is gone as far as the Fed is concerned, but we don't have to as far as new future legislation is concerned. So anyway, go read uh, Sam's and Eric's uh, debate, uh, Eric's response to Sam. It's it's a really interesting read, and I'll let you uh, get to that for your, for your weekend reading enjoyment. All right, so on to Abra. I'm going to take the last few minutes here to give you an update on what's going on with Abra, and then we'll have a chance, hopefully, to answer a few of your questions. I do see a bunch of Abra-specific questions here. Thank you for the kind words on the commentary this morning. I'm not a geopolitical analyst, but um, I do read a lot. I, I really enjoy uh, debating uh, international politics, given um, that I've traveled the world so much. I, those of you that may not know, I lived in Europe for about almost six years. Um, and um, yeah, so... Uh, I really do care a lot about what's going on in the world. And, and we have customers in uh, probably, I don't know, 75 countries, maybe even 100 countries at Abra. And uh, it comes and goes the number, but um, but it's a high number. All right. So what's going on at Abra? So as you know, uh, we are in the final phase of launching our new trading system. It will start with market orders. Uh, it will migrate off of the existing platform. A few of you have already been migrated. You may not even know it. Uh, to test, and it's going very well. The migration will be done for everyone by the end of November. And uh, it, it, like I said, it, the process is going well. I will mention um, uh, C perks. So many of you uh, are holding C perks off of Abra. There's going to be a pause in CPRX C perks deposits starting in five days. So if you need a place to store CPERCs, you need to move it into Abra now. You won't be able to withdraw it for about a month, but that's okay. Um, you know, At least you know you'll have a place to store it. 
Uh, and then we'll get back to CPERC's trading uh, probably a few weeks after that. We're working on the plans now, one step at a time. So that addresses that issue right there. Uh, I know a few of you were using Bittrex to store CPERCs, and, and um, you should move that, bit, um, that CPERCs to Abra now. Uh, don't wait because starting October 26, at least for a few weeks, you won't be able to, to move it uh, off of Bittrex onto Abra for a while. Okay. So the vast majority of, of you are already staking CPERCs and Abra Boost, so there's no concerns. Uh, but at least for now, uh, you can move it to Abra and you know that it's safe. And we, uh, as you know, uh, have big plans for uh, CPERCs going forward and uh, including uh, including, of course, our uh, Amex Rewards card, uh, which um, is moving along really nicely. So, yeah, so Abra Trade coming up on tap, uh, starting with market orders. And then a few weeks later, uh, we'll be we'll be adding limit orders, which I'm also uh, really excited about. So now I want to talk about Abra USD. What is Abra USD? So um, some of you have probably seen uh, the uh, commentary online on this. Uh, uh, Forbes leaked it, uh, and it's which is fine. Uh, they got it mostly right. It's Abra USD is not a new stablecoin. It is simply uh, a name of your USD uh, stablecoins held on Abra. It's the consolidated balance of your USDC, your USDP, your true USD deposits. So having these stablecoin balances consolidated under Abra USD makes trading deposits, withdrawals, earning interest, uh, borrowing, all much easier to use and manage. And it has some huge advantages to you as well, right? That it, it means you're going to get the lowest spread because if you're holding one of those three and there's a lower spread with a different token, let's say you're holding true USD, but the spread is lower with USDC on a trade, we'll actually manage that trade with the lower spread for you. And it'll be completely transparent to you, which means effectively, if you're using uh, your, your stable coin to buy Bitcoin, you're actually going to get more Bitcoin. All right. And let's see. So uh, in, in the Abra trade wallets, all three of those, USDC, TUSD, and USDP will simply become Abra USD in your trade account. Right. So if you have $100 in USDC, 50 in true USD, 30 in USDP, you add them all up, you have 180 in USD. And you can do one trade of $180 right into Bitcoin. And you're going to get the lowest price possible across all three assets. So hopefully that makes sense, right? Now, what also is really cool here, right, um, is that you can withdraw in any of those currencies with no spread. So let's say you deposit, you wire money in, and you get true USD, or you have USDC uh, on another uh, platform, and for whatever reason, you need TUSD. When you withdraw, you can choose whichever of the three stable coins you want, and you'll get that stable coin directly at withdraw time with no spread and no free, no fee. Okay. So to be clear, again, there is no new stable coin being created here. We're simply giving you a single balance. Um, and um, you can you can trade across it. You can convert during withdraw time. And um, yeah, again, 
There's no new stablecoin being created. And you can see what you deposited anytime. You just go into your transaction history and it shows you how much USDC you deposited, how much TUSD you deposited, and et cetera, et cetera. You can also continue to transfer your Abra USD into Boost to generate yield, and it'll show up as one balance and you'll basically get the same interest rate. So there's no impact to that. Your loans will not be impacted if you're using Abra Borrow. Uh, I'm, I'm showing here a article from our support FAQs. You can go to support FAQ, search for Abra USD, support.abra.com. Uh, I'll put the link in the live chat. Uh, team, please put the link in the live chat and you can just go read it up. There they go. Thank you, team. And yeah, so uh, super easy. I'm really excited about this migration. It really is going to lower spreads and uh, be fantastic for uh, for our users. So let's see, there was a few questions about some of this. Um, again, some of you are commenting, oh, Abra is launching a new stablecoin. No, we're not. Uh, Abra USD, again, it's just the balance of all the other stable coins you're holding. Tether is treated separately. That will remain a different balance. Okay. So if you deposit Tether into Abra, you'll still see Tether as its own row in Abra trade. So just to be clear, and it's also got its own interest rate in Abra boost. And it's actually much higher. I think uh, I think we're still paying about 10% on boost uh, for, for Tether. All right. Um, yeah, some people uh, commenting on on uh, the magic of Abra, and so we should add Cadabra to the name. That is not in the cards. Thank you for asking. Uh, yeah, we are going to have Julian on uh, in a few weeks to talk about C Perks, uh, probably coinciding with um, our NFT launch, which is coming up. Spending a lot of time on NFTs, we're going to have a probably like a four week window of NFT focused episodes from mid November to mid-December. So leading up to Abra NFT, we're going to start having a few episodes on NFTs, hopefully have some guests from the NFT space to talk to you about that. Uh, I've been um, working on my NFT collection and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited to start to share some of it with you uh, as I can move it over to the new live Abra app. All right, sorry, I'm looking at uh, my notes here. And yeah, so so Julian will probably join for one of those. I think he's going to be with us in Miami during Art Basel for when we launch. And so we'll, we'll certainly have him on Money Talks Live. Um, so, so some of you are asking about some delisted assets. I don't have the list in front of me, but as part of the migration to our new market order system, we are uh, going to delist some illiquid assets. And that is simply a function of uh, trading volumes and, um, and custody and our ability to provide a high quality service. And uh, we'll we'll look to add some of those and and more. You know, expect in the coming weeks to see things like uh, Solana and other um, high volume assets to be added into the Abra system uh, at some point in in the coming weeks as part of this migration. Uh, we should be in a good position to add those assets. No no promises on timing uh, or when, but um, yeah, uh, we will we will get to that. So. Let's see. So I have a bunch more more questions here. Let me focus on Abra first, then I'll get to generic market questions. Um, can regular retail investor deposit their C perks from external wallets into their Abra Boost account and earn more C perks as interest? Uh, yes, e e equilibrium. Yes, you can. If you're uh, outside the U.S., 100% of you can deposit C perks into Abra and then move it into. Um, 
uh, into Boost to earn incremental yield. Uh, and then if you're in the US, you can all deposit C perks into ABRA trade. And then if you're accredited, you can also move it into Boost to earn yield. And that leads to another question that I got, which is what is the future for, I saw it, uh, Dave, when you first posted it, um, uh, but what is the future for non-accredited investors who have been with ABRA for a couple of years? So our intent, so, so the reason that we created ABRA Boost is this migration away from Prime Trust as the account issuer uh, for uh, for what was ABRA Earn. And so we had to create a new service. ABRA Boost and ABRA Earn are actually different services because now ABRA is the issuer of the ABRA Boost account. We issue the accounts directly for Boost, whereas before it was Prime Trust, okay? And so as part of that migration, because our bank license is pending, right, we have to limit who can use Boost in the US. Once we have the bank license and the regular the regulator uh, approves uh, Boost in the US and we're already working with them on it, they're well aware of what we're doing, we'll be able to turn on retail. So I don't have a specific time uh, line for it yet, except to say I'm spending a lot of time and money, by the way, because my legal costs are going up for this, uh, to educate the regulators on this and to make sure they're clear on the fact that Boost will be available at some point to retail investors. So no specific timeline, except to say uh, it is very high on my list. Uh, it's way at the top, actually, to make, make sure that Boost is available to 100% of our users. And look, that was the reason why we formed Abra Bank in the first place. Um, and it's simply a process. We are in this for the long game, okay? We're not the cowboys telling you to unbank yourselves. Uh, we're not the irresponsible uh, lack of risk management company that wants to make a quick buck. For me, this is a literally a 20-year game, right? And, and, and by the way, the game will continue with Abra long after I'm gone. Abra, I hope Abra's around literally forever. And it just gets better and better over time. But it is a long-term game. And we are in the very beginnings of this game. Okay. And as such, we are thinking long term. We're thinking quality of service. We're thinking responsibility in, in lending and in, in, in yield and in trading and investing. And, and that includes um, all the things that go along with being a regulated entity, including transparency. Right. I didn't become a bank or try to become a bank because I think that the banking system is great. I think the banking system is broken. I think it's in horrible shambles. But what regulation does is it enforces transparency, it enforces oversight. So it allows me to take advantage of all the great tenets of crypto and crypto rails like DeFi and bring those to you in a way that is responsible, transparent, and still gives you the benefits in many cases of higher yield, you know, lower interest rates for borrowing, um, you know, opportunities to invest in new cryptocurrencies, eventually tokenized, uh, you know, assets that are that are securities. When, when uh, you know, if and when we, we decide to go that route, so there's a there's you know a lot of reasons why uh, becoming a bank is not just about uh, believing in the banking system. I have a lot of issues with the banking system. I think it's a mess, but it does provide for certain transparency, and, and that combined with crypto, I think, is a big win for everyone. All right. All right. So let's see a couple more questions and then we'll call it a day. Um, comments on the Abra card. Uh, I'm not going to say much about Abra card today uh, because we're going to do another show on that in the future. Uh, Robert commented, as I learn more about crypto and blockchain, I'm starting to see a lot of people saying blockchain, not Bitcoin and other pro blockchain, but anti-crypto. 
So, so Robert, we went through this in 2016, 17, and then into 18, where, you know, this whole enterprise blockchain mumbo jumbo commentary reigned supreme. I'm going to sh stop sharing the screen here. And, and it was all nonsense. I, I would actually posit that billions of dollars was lost uh, in, in venture capital industry because uh, people were based, were focused on investing in blockchain instead of Bitcoin, and this is before Ethereum, or eventually instead of crypto, which was actually, you know, these new layer one protocols competing with Bitcoin, which I'm very bullish on, as I've talked to you all about many times over the years. And and so I, I've never been a fan or a believer in this blockchain, not crypto narrative. I think it's nonsense. I think you have, I think decentralization, which is what comes with crypto is incredibly expensive, right? I've said this many, many times to you. Bitcoin is the most expensive, slowest transaction system ever designed by men. Now, I'm not saying that as a complaint. That's actually a good thing. Why is it a good thing? Well, I mean, it's not a good thing that Bitcoin is, is expensive. It's a good thing that the decentralization that comes with that cost is finally possible. Right, decentralized transaction processing, where there was no centralized off switch, was never possible before Bitcoin. That's the problem that was solved by decentralization, and we need to preserve that. We need to invest in it, and and you know eventually adopt it because it's the best chance we have of getting off of this kind of Fed model, uh, this Fed never-ending uh, carousel of of um, you know increasing money supply and irresponsible government and and so you know i think that uh you know to me that's what crypto stands for and all these competing technologies that are being developed are about that they're not about blockchain for the sake of blockchain which to me is a bunch of nonsense um yeah so let me see a few other um a few other questions price do i have comments on the price of c perks uh no i don't um i've i've invested a lot personally in C perks. I don't look at the price. I'm in C perks for many years to come. I'm not really interested in the short-term price. I'm interested in the long-term value. And, and I spend a lot of time thinking about the long-term value. Are C perks going to be available for new institutional customers? Uh, Jim, the answer is yes. Uh, so uh, our over-the-counter desk is going to enable C perks trading. Uh, so if you're not in touch with our sales team, you can go to the institutional section on our site and uh, the sales team will get in touch with you. Uh, they're fantastic and they, they're doing, a, we're doing a lot on the over-the-counter front for spot trading and, and starting to launch now derivatives in the coming weeks. And uh, we had the team on a few weeks ago. We're going to have them back on again, I think, in, in November to give an update there. And uh, let's see. XRP Minion, I love Abra. I wish all my crypto was here, hopefully soon. You know, XRP Minion, let us know which, which assets you're unable to move. And, and, you know, we will take that into account. We're, we're constantly looking about what to add next. Now that the trading migration on the technology side is finished and we're in implementation mode to start moving people over, um, we are going to get back to, you know, adding new assets and, and looking at custody for different types of, of assets. Um, Tyler, uh, I don't know what the minimums are for uh, OTC C perks buys. Uh, just get in touch with the sales desk and they'll answer your questions. Just go to the institutional section uh, of our website and um, yeah, they'll help you. 
Um, let's see, I'm going to take two more questions and then call it a day. I'm starting to lose my voice. I can feel it coming. Uh, I don't, I, uh, I, I talk all day for a living, just not on, not on YouTube. So, uh, I am, I am losing my voice this week since it's Friday and I've been talking all week. All right. Um, let's see, uh, some comments on the war and, and the military industrial complex. I, I look, I appreciate the commentary. If y'all really like it, I can spend more time on it next week, maybe at the end so that people can leave if they don't want to hear it. I don't know. I, I'm very passionate about geopolitics. I'm not going to debate people here, uh, um, you know, in, in in real time. I guess if people really want to debate, we can try it sometime. But um, maybe I'll get David David Sachs on at some point. I don't know. But um, let's see, uh, more useful commentary here. Maybe some Abra or, or market-specific questions. Thanks for the clarification on Retail Boost. You're welcome. Um, let's see. Uh, Flare, Spark, Airdrop still supported on Abra. Um, to, I, I'm I'm not aware of any support for Flare and Spark. I'm not, I don't recall ever ever bringing up uh, Flare and Spark. If I did and misspoke, I apologize. I'll I'll check with the team, uh, but I'm not aware of anything. Isn't that related to XRP? And I think we have XRP issues until the SEC thing is is resolved. Anyway, uh, I wish I, I want us to you know start listing as XRP again. I, I see no reason to do that because the case is unresolved. Um, but um, it's not up to me. The lawyers have to work through that with engineering. 1099 for this year for U.S. folks. Time turn. 1099s were released a long time ago, bud. So you, if if you didn't get your 1099 back in February, you need to contact support uh, and ask for your 1099, and they'll they'll email it to you. So you basically what you do is in the Abra app, you go up to the top left hamburger menu, you click on support. Click on live chat. Tell them you need a 1099, and they will get it to you. So, yeah, if if uh, if you're late and or or if you had an extension for your filing in the U.S., uh, now is the time to get it because uh, time's a wasting. All right, uh, let's see one more question. I promise. Let's pick a good one. Um, let's see. Ba -ba 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 -ba. So people asking for your currencies. I don't mind. You know, post post your post your wishes here. We'll 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 take a look at it. You know, we have a list ourselves. A lot of the list is driven by liquidity requirements and and market cap and uh, what's happening in the broader trading market. So so uh, we do take it all into account. Um, yeah. So what is going to happen after market orders? Excellent question. So. Uh, so, Mark, you know, after after market orders, we're going to release limit orders. Uh, we're going to and limit orders, if you're not clear, basically says, um, you know, if you are waiting for Bitcoin to get to 50,000 to sell or 200,000 to sell, you can basically put in a sell order and just leave it. And if when it hits that price, we'll sell for you. Um, or if you basically want to buy when the price gets down to a certain price, uh, we'll automatically trigger the buy for you. That's what limit orders does for you. Uh, what market orders does is it basically uh, manages against what's happening in the market and tries to guarantee the lowest possible spread. And uh, before we were outsourcing those buys. And so we really weren't uh, putting ourselves in the kind of the decision flow as to when to buy. And now with this increased logic that we're rolling out with this new trading system, we're all going to see better spreads and eventually much, much higher trading limits inside the app. So you don't have to go to our, our OTC or over-the-counter desk to buy a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin. For example, in theory, you could do it right in the Abra app. So those of us with a, a few hundred extra thousand dollars sitting around to spare, uh, we can easily buy Bitcoin at a low spread. Um, all right. So let's see. I think, uh, oops, sorry for that. Sounds like the, it sounds like the bell to say it's time for, uh, for us to start our weekend. 
Um, and with that, I'm going to, oh, do I have another question here I want to address? So let me see if my team is asking me. Um, yeah, so there's going to be no pause to trading. That was another question I got twice, which I thought I addressed. I apologize if I didn't. No pause to trading. So if you're, um, if you've got USD and Abra, you're not going to miss a beat. Any buy or sell or withdrawals will not be paused. And you'll be able to continue using Abra uh, just like you normally do. Um, and there should be no, no delays, no pauses. If anything, you'll see an improved quality of service. Okay. All right. So I'm going to stop there and say uh, with that, um, yeah, uh, Plutus Lending is Abra uh, time turn. So yes, that is the uh, company's, uh, uh, the holding company for Abra is named Plutus Financial. And Plutus Lending is the company that maintains the Abra Earn and now Abra Boost accounts for Abra, okay? All right, so now I'm really gonna stop and wish you all a fantastic weekend. Thanks for joining Money Talks. It was it was fun uh, getting, getting a chance to talk to you as always, and uh, we'll see you next week. Oh, well, maybe we'll have a trick-or-treat Halloween special for everyone next week. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you soon. Take care, everyone.